going to be. Right. I just hit record just as you opened it. Oh, good. That's perfect timing. Hello there, Dave. G'day, Luke. How are we doing today? Good. I'm doing it again. I'm opening the beer as I'm talking rather than just opening it before. I'm not opening. I I didn't open the beer before we started and now I'm trying to do it with one hand. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really oh, good. Oh, that's thanks. right, because you hold the microphone, don't you? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, Patreon.com slash Ale of a Time <laughs> to, to support us and get Luke a mic stand. Uh, and Dave, a microphone. Uh, how are you going, Dave? Pretty good, pretty good. Um, yeah, I mean, I literally have just clocked off work for the day, so like there couldn't be a more um, a more deserving time to open a beer. Excellent. We'll welcome our guest who uh, made the beer that we're we're drinking, uh, Ren Blackman from Blackman's Brewery. Ren, how are you going? Good, guys. How are you going? Yeah, good, thanks. No complaints. What's good news? now that I've I've cracked open this beer and I can smell some hops coming at me at mm. me. Um, yeah, it's a pretty hoppy one. This is yeah, this is the cold IPA. Yeah, uh, a new style or newish, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think what, it's sort what? of six sixish months old. I think maybe out of the US. Um, there's a brewery over there called Wayfinder um, and the head brewer there, he sort of said that he didn't really like IPLs as such, kind of said that he thought they were a clunky kind of style. Mm. Um, so his well, basically cold IPA was him having an attempt to make the perfect IPL but um, calling it something different, I think. Mm. Uh, that was kind of our interpretation. Um, and we just we made it for Beer Club um, just because we sort of read about it and thought it sounded like a bit of a laugh really. Like I didn't – it doesn't make a lot of sense because it's a – it really is. It's a it's a, it's a IPL really. So it's like um, Pilsner, Pilsner malt, lager yeast, lots of American or New World hops. Um, but then the, the changes he kind of made to improve the IPL as he sort of thought needed improvement was to – Use some dextrose to dry it out further, increase the ABV. So go, I think it has about six and a half percent. And then, yeah, throw in a lot more hops and ferment the lager yeast at a warmer temperature than you usually would. So cooler than an ale temperature. So cold IPA. That's where we come to that. So it's a pretty interesting uh, beer style. So, as a brewery that's uh, an IPA has probably been in your course since the start. Yeah, yeah, early on, it? yeah, first twelve months we added one. Yeah, how different is uh, how different is it to to how you approach? Was it juicy banger, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So we make that year round. Um, so the differences are it's got a bit more malt in it, so a little bit more ABV or alcohol. Um, it's got a higher hop load, um, and the yeast we use we ferment it warmer than we would in juicy banger. So yeah. Juicy Bang is at about 11 or 12 degrees um, and then this is at about 16, 17 degrees with the lager yeast, which gives you probably less lager yeast character, um, maybe a bit of a cleaner profile. Um, and, it, um, yeah, it's. I was quite sceptical when we read about it and we just thought, oh, we'll make it for Beer Club for a fun um, thing. We just got like, a, I don't know, about 70 or 80 members that get a new beer every month. So we just did it as a bit of an experiment. And we were very mind blown by the results. Um, so then we thought, oh, we have to release this beer. It's really, really tasty and pretty awesome. So we thought we had to get it out there. It's also pretty distinct from the Juicy Banger as well. Yeah, yeah. Like when we were, when you mentioned about how it's such a similar approach to an IPL, um, it sounds 
to someone who doesn't do it. It sounds exactly the same. Um, so to get such a like distinct flavor uh, and character from it is um, incredible, really. Yeah, no, the, the, I think just having that, yeah, the, the dextrose in it and the warmer temperature with the ferment, it's just, yeah, kind of, yeah, added a whole new dimension to what an IPL is, I suppose, and, yeah, created the cold IPA, as they call it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure I'm sold on the name yeah. uh, of cold, I, cold IPA, but it's it's interesting to me because there's nothing in there that I'm going, wow, this is a new style, this has changed the world for me. Um, but every one that I've had has been great and I've enjoyed them. I think I've had the Bridge Road one. Uh, I've had another one. I can't remember what that was. And then now this one and, yeah, happily drink them. Really, really tasty beers. Uh, I've had a couple of mouthfuls of this and I'll probably down it too quickly. Yeah. Um, I I, think I, just in my mind, I don't know where it sits in the world of, of what the beer styles are. Yeah. I think and it I think kind it's... of steers it towards the IPA style that we both like and look for luke so i can understand mm. why the ones that we've tried i think a reasoning for them calling it calling it that too is because i suppose ipls probably don't have as good of a name that ipas do so i think it's mm. probably a bit of a grab at that also um mm. to kind that of probably have more market pull maybe because ipa are they're just they are the trendiest of trend in beer aren't they yeah and i guess the we've seen adding a new word in front of ipa has become a really good way to sell or, you know, to get, get people interested in a style, which it sounds like I'm being cynical about that, but it's actually, it's fun. Oh, for um, sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So we're, just before we started, we we're talking about, uh, I think we spoke on the podcast years ago. We couldn't remember which year, really briefly. Um, and I, I, you can't have been too old as a brewery at that point. I'd say, um, yeah, I'd say we would have been maybe, 12 months or less old, I reckon. So probably back in 2014 or 2015. Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. So what's changed since then? Give us the the six-year recap. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose um, we've been through a bit of an adventure since then. So um, we probably started canning beer not long after we talked. Um, So we're probably one of the first breweries, like small breweries in Australia to start canning beer. I think we're one of the first to can an IPA, Reginald, which was pretty Mm. exciting. Um, And then... Not long after that, we opened our good beer bar in Geelong, um, which we sort of ran in there for four or five years. Um, we actually sadly closed that down during COVID at the sort of the start because our lease had run out, so it sort of didn't make much sense anymore. But it was an awesome sort of stepping stone for us to kind of get more people into our beer in the Geelong area um, and showcase lots of other beers from all around the place. Um, and then in oh, probably – about a year and a half to two years ago, we opened a beer and burger bar in Ocean Grove. Um, so that's been going really well for us. Um, just a really good spot at the end of the terrace in Ocean Grove near the beach where you can yeah, have the 16 taps and our beers available and some pretty tasty burgers. Um, and then, um, yeah, kind of production sort of grew and grew over that time. And Torquay, we kind of really maximised that space. We were sort of really running out of space to make beer and um, store beer and all that sort of thing. So we kind of needed to look at other options. So um, probably in January of 2019, no, 20, 2020, um, we started looking at a space in sort of the outskirts of Geelong in Grovedale at a warehouse um, to start a production brewery. And then COVID happened and we sort of thought, oh, well, that's pretty off the cards now. 
Um, but we were, yeah, lucky enough that a few months in, kind of beer continued to sort of sell and um, then we went back down that path and then by, um, when was it? We opened opened the actual brewery in Grovedale um, in May of this year. Hmm. I was in Grovedale in February this year. Oh, awesome. Or March, March, sometime, in between lockdowns, I don't know. Um, and I knew it was coming and I was like, oh, I really should have timed this better because it was, uh, yeah, it's right near my, my friend's place that lived down there. So oh, I had to pay awesome. them another visit. You know, we're quite lucky. There's lots of people live nearby too. So it's it's been, um, yeah, great local support all around the area coming in to drink beers, which is good. Yeah, there didn't seem to be a lot of pubs or anything around there. No, nah, there's just the like, there's the Grovedale pub, but um, yeah, nothing much else. And a lot of people live there. Like it's kind of a full of lots of younger people with young families and stuff looking for something to do. So it made a lot of sense. And how's that going? Since I mean, you've been probably fits and starts. Yeah, a bit of yeah, a bit of back and forth with opening and closing. But when we've been open, it's been amazing. We've been like super busy, and um, it's great having the extra space now to brew as well. It's sort of because um, it's sort of our dedicated main production facility now where all the beer gets made and, um, yeah, great for that. But just, yeah, been super busy too when we've been open. It's been great. Was it always going to have the hospitality arm to it? Yeah, yeah. We kind of, just because of what we've seen with having that hospitality background since the start with the brewery, it's, it's just a really good um, kind of asset to have along with your brewery. It kind of helps out, I suppose, you've got that, if you know your bar is going to be open a couple of nights a week, that's just money in the till to pay rent. Um, and it, I just love the experience of being in a brewery and drinking near the tanks. I think that's just a pretty awesome thing to do. So yeah, it's kind of longer term. It's always been our goal to have a space that's a production facility where we had a bar as well, where you could sit there and drink beers amongst the tanks. That sounds good. So um, had COVID not hit, would you have kept the good beer bar open in July? I'd say so, yeah. Yeah, we probably would have. It just – so the um, the capacity dropped right down for us because it was a really small venue. Like I think we were usually only allowed 50 or 60 and then that got brought down to about 10. Um, but not knowing how long it was going to go on for, the lease had kind of come to an end. So we had to renew the lease if we want to continue on, but we knew we were doing Grovedale as well. So it kind of just sort of made sense that we – shut up shop and yeah if we hadn't known i don't know well that's the thing covid's still kind of going and lingering around so we'd still be really restricted on numbers there and it'd be pretty unviable so it's kind of yeah i think we've made the right choice hopefully fair enough you would have had your fingerprints all over the, the greater geelong area you would have yeah, had to be yeah, yeah, unofficial maybe. mayor yeah <laughs> yeah maybe the uh the bigger the brewery with the biggest footprint in the geelong area <laughs> yeah, can't think of any other breweries out there that have a, a big footprint. No. Um, how have the beers changed over there? Because uh, you know, when you sort of first came out, there was kind of a, a bit of a focus on lagers, or at least it felt like that from the outside. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, have you kind of changed your overall approach to brewing, or is that still a focus? I'm, you know, yeah, I see so, so many still, beers coming out. We still make our lager that we've always made, um, and same as Juicy Banger. And we've made, yeah, over the years, many kind of seasonal releases that feature lager yeast, um, which, yeah, I suppose it's a big focus. But, again, I suppose you get slightly dictated by trends as well and what people are drinking. Um, IPAs have become a pretty big focus for us as well. Um, again, that's just because we, we like drinking IPAs and we think we make a pretty good one. So it's sort of, yeah, been a big part of it too. Um, 
yeah, but sort of bit of a just bit of a mix of everything really. It's just what we want to be drinking and what what's happening at the time in the in the market, I suppose. You do the do you still do the same same day IPA? Yeah, yeah. So that's that was awesome. So that we kicked that off in um uh when yeah, I suppose when COVID first hit and we had a um we did the needs more citra as one of the first releases of that. Um and yeah, just pretty much so we, we packaged the beer in the morning and then get it delivered Victoria wide that same day so everyone can taste the beer as it would taste fresh off the canning line. So it's a pretty um yeah, pretty crazy day because we're all up at sort of 3 a.m. Um, packing the beer and um, then getting it in the vans and then everyone goes around and delivers it um, to like to Ballarat or Melbourne or, um, yeah, all around the state sort of thing. Bit of a crazy day. How, how do you plan that? Do you like work in with key, you know, bottle shop partners that you know yeah yeah so we pretty much like we every time we've done it we we obviously have a limited amount available because it's just what we've what we can package for that day and generally it's pretty crazy we will package everything from a tank and it's all sold and gone in that day like it's yeah it's outrageous (laughs) um are you still doing it yeah we we are we haven't done one for a few months we probably will again soon um but yeah we we sort of we were running them every we're doing a, a series of needs more IPAs, which were just single hop um, IPAs, and we did it with all of those over the last probably twelve months. Um, but yeah, I'd say we'll probably do it again in a few months. Um, yeah, leading into summer. I'm also interested to know about the barrel farm. Yeah, barrel, so, is that the right? Yeah, yeah. What it's called? Yeah, yeah, the barrel farm. Yeah, so that again, that's just a bit of a side project of yeah, like a lot of breweries that have at the moment with um some barrel aged stuff and some a bit of a yeah, a bit of a go at those sort of sour styles. Um, we've had, we've probably got oh, about 25, 30 barrels full of different stuff sitting around. Um, it all, again, got put on the back burner a fair bit over the last 18 months just with what's happened with the world. Mm. Um, we had to sort of focus our attention on stuff we could be sort of generating money quickly with to kind of keep afloat. Um, mm. But we've got something that we've we just blended up something from some two-year-old stuff in barrels um that is coming out and it's our first 750 mil bottle release um it's like a table sour um and it's a blend of uh well me and rick and jess went out to a winery in freshwater creek about yeah two years ago and we uh picked um some pinot grapes and some chardonnay grapes and then the guy that had the little vineyard, he had a little press there. So we pressed the grapes on the day, took all the skins and the juice and everything back to Torquay. And then um, we put it in a bunch. I think there was eight barrels with beer in that we made. And we put a mix of everything in all of them. So there was some with just the grapes, some with just the skins, some with the juice, some with the um, just the beer on its own. And then... Um, new people that have started in the brewery because Rick's gone now, but uh, Tristan and Steve who were there the other week, we um, picked the ones we liked the best and then we blended a couple of them and blended them into a lacto-sour in the kettle and then fermented it again and now it's in bottle and it's coming out in a couple of weeks. <laughs> wow, that sounds like a project. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so a big big journey to get there. Um, but, yeah, there'll be lots of lots more things coming out now. Um and we do have some stuff stored on a property in Drysdale and in Bowen Heads on two sort of separate farms that people own. They've just sort of kindly let us keep their keep the barrels there. Um, and longer term, the idea is we want to have a dedicated space regionally somewhere where we will have 
our barrels and a bit of a something like that where we can yeah produce and serve beers of a, of the farmhouse variety. What did you learn about breaking? You know, you said you broke up the juice, the fruit, the the beer. You know, tasting them was was there crazy differences between all the barrels? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really quite dramatic differences. Like some had gone really, really sour and really acidic, and probably just going to be ones we're going to just have to blend back in with minuscule amounts to kind of use that beer up. Um, and then some taste like, yeah, really beautiful and awesome, but they're all just hugely different. The base beer was just kind of like a multi sort of ale that we made. Um, um, and yeah, just, yeah, kind of got, I suppose the Pinot one with the Pinot skins, we actually got a bit of color from the skins. Um, and it, yeah, it had like a nice kind of Pinot note to it, but yeah, they're all quite distinct. So the 750 mil bottle for that and then do you use can releases that come out of that one as well uh yeah so we kind of we've always got our barrel farm sour which again that's actually a lager yeast um that's one mm. we do all the time that's got um it's got seawater in it so it's a kettle sour that we add seawater to so it's kind of goes goes ish, ish um lightly sour bit bit of saltiness um and yeah just an easy drinking one with some um mosaic and uh, Simcoe dry hop, so it's a bit of a mix of everything in there, but it's a pretty easy, summery, nice drinking sour. I did have one over the weekend, and it, it it is very easy drinking, but it's also got I think it's a, an extra layer of sort of like complexity that um, yeah, I think I, that's I sort of apart from a lot of other of those like kettle sour beers that a lot of breweries have got at the moment. Yeah, okay. We well, yeah we get it's got on oak as well for a bit too, which you get a bit of that oak character, which is pretty nice. It's really balanced. It's nice. Oh, thank you. What uh, why seawater? Ah, uh, just a big. I suppose we wanted to have something that was a big part of where we were from. Um, and yeah, Torquay being by the beach, we've kind of got a big beach there. And over, I don't know, probably I don't know, two years before that, over time, we've made lots of gozers. Um, and we just started using seawater in them all the time, instead of using just salt and blending it up. Um, and we just got this really awesome balance kind of character from it rather than using just straight salt where you it can kind of sometimes be a bit rough. Um, we kind of got this nice ratio of seawater in there where the beer still tastes really balanced and nice and it just kind of complements it rather than roughs it up. So then we thought it would go I was nice telling Steph, um, I was telling Steph why it was uh, salty uh, using the, the seawater and she thought that um, I was using a – like brewing jug and it was the lettuce sea water. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, it's seawater from the sea. Yeah. She's like, oh, gotcha. Yeah. Sea hops and seawater. Yeah, exactly. Water full of calcium or something. <laughs> it's kind of weird because it was kind of drummed into you. Uh, I feel like it was drummed into me as a kid that drinking seawater would be bad. Uh, and yes. I guess that's that's because, you know, if you're, if you're dehydrated on a boat in the middle of the ocean – which for some reason I figured would come up more as an adult, but it still hasn't come up. Uh, yes, drinking seawater would be the worst thing you can do. So kind of when people put it in beer, I'm like, oh, is that good? Yeah, well, we only put so 15 litres of beer. I can only imagine there's a fraction. litres of beer, so it's not much. Yeah. <laughs> How do you measure that out? Like, did you try more and less and then come yeah so we just did like some benchtop trials where we just had like a base beer that we'd usually make and um yeah just got some water from down the beach and 
uh, yeah, tested tested how it would taste in different ratios. How offensive were the higher ratios? Yeah, you're pretty offensive. <laughs> <laughs> um, and is that something we're going to see more of, sort of popping up in any of your beers, or that's just kind of exclusively in that beer? Exclusively in that beer, and then every, whenever we do kind of one of those salty-ish style summery sours, we try to get it in there too. Um, yeah, we've got, I think, the next or a can release again from the Barrel Farm coming out in a few, oh, it's not long away. It's probably six to eight weeks away as a papaya and grapefruit kettle sour, and that'll be in cans. That won't have any seawater in it, though, but that'll be coming out soon too. Uh, how did you use papaya? Do you use fresh fruit for those? Yeah, yeah, so fresh blended fruit. Um, that'll yeah. go in the tank, um, and so it'll, it'll ferment out. And then the grapefruit, we use just use the zest in the boil. Papaya's an interesting one. I don't know if I like papaya. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, we just sort of were looking at sort of seasonal kind of tropical fruit for this time of the year and that came up and I was like, oh, that could be interesting. Yeah, it's because it's cheap It's cheap at the moment and it looks really good. And every time I buy some, I'm like, ah, I don't know if I feel in this. But it, it has a really nice peppery flavour that I think would, would probably come across quite nicely in a soured beer and particularly with grapefruit. Yeah, so hopefully it'll it'll work in the beer and maybe not good on its own, but we'll see. <laughs> I'm I'm also in the minority, so you know it's a yeah. it's a massively popular fruit. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, I'm finishing this cold IPA really quickly, and that's yeah, I found all of these how mm-hmm. quickly they go down. What's your footprint like now as Blackman? You know, where are you selling your beer? You've obviously got the hospitality venues. COVID probably took that out of the equation for a bit. How widely is it is it going? Um, yeah, no, reasonably so. Um, Majority, I suppose, probably majority of it's Geelong Surf Coast. We've got like a huge footprint um, almost everywhere around this area, which is great. Uh, Melbourne, we've got some pretty good traction now, um, which you're getting here, a lot more stores. Um, and then um, Victoria-wide, yeah, bit of a presence. And then I think sort of Australia-wide, it's sort of just major capital cities. And we've just sort of jumped on a few, going to start sending beer with a few different people interstate in the next few months too. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and yeah, but no, we've got, yeah, got a reasonable, it's, it's growing a lot because we've just employed an, we, another salesperson, um, Paul Sultana, who used to be at Two Birds. He's uh, a great, been a great um, guy to catch. Um, mm. And yeah, he's been doing really well in Melbourne. Um, and then we've got another person hopefully going to start in a few months in Melbourne too. So, so um, did you not have anyone... Uh, and shout out to Paul. He's a, a lovely dude. Um, and so it's, it was cool to see him pop up working for you guys. Um, did you have a sales rep in Melbourne before him? Oh, so we've got Luke, our sales manager. Um, mm. He kind of just sort of spread himself all everywhere. Uh, but again, because we've been so busy in Geelong and to the point of having Grove, before we had Grovedale, we didn't really have beer to send out. Like we just literally, we could make what we could sell. Um, whereas now we've got a bit more capacity, we can actually get a bit more to Melbourne. Um, whereas before he kind of just serviced who we could service. Um, and it was just sort of first in best dressed. Whereas now we've got, um, yeah, we're going to move a bit more beer up the highway. And how, do, how does that go locally? Like around your part of the world, are you, it, you know, are you knocking on doors into pubs or are people sort of starting to see you guys as a kind of a local brand and want to support it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a bit of a mix. Like, again, you, you have some venues where you have to spend a lot of time trying to get in there and then there's others that are chasing your product because you're kind of becoming recognised and people want to have you have your product. Um, but, yeah, again, it's just a mix of 
And like I think Geelong and Torquay have really come a long way in the last, well, yeah, since we started in seven years that it's it's dramatic difference in the drinkers that are around that there were from now to like we when we released the IPA at the start, people were like, what's that? Like They were pretty um, not impressed by what an IPA was in, down in LA. <laughs> Um, and then now it's, yeah, people are just looking for IPAs and pale ales and it's, yeah, it's a whole different experience. How do often that, do you brew the Angry Reg, Red? How often? Yeah. Um, oh, we hadn't brewed it for probably 12 months um, this year. It's the first time since maybe, yeah, mid last year. Um, I loved it. I really, oh, really you. enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I, I, I picked it up in the shop. Uh, a, a few weeks ago uh, when I saw it and tied into that is um, have you done much or are you planning to do much um, of those larger format cans? Uh, yeah, we yeah probably every kind of like three to four months the sort of the aim mm-hmm. is to do one. Um, we find if you do too many, I don't know, there's just yeah too many big beers sitting around everywhere but if you kind of keep them spaced out, um, people get excited by them which is good. Yeah, fair enough. Dave, I feel like that's becoming a, a running theme. There's 440 mil cans on this podcast. 440 mil cans of a beer like that. Or I think I was, I've, I've been thinking that like all your hoppy beers and the lagers like as well would be like unreal to have in those 440 mil cans. So just like selfishly, I would like to see more. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Cool. We, we, yeah. We do the 500, so it's a bit bigger again. So. Oh, the 500. Oh, the 500. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. 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 Um, which is, yeah, interesting, the 500, because there's not – as many around, a lot of people have switched now to the 440s, which is interesting, but yeah. I don't want to tell you how to do your job, Ren, but if you put your lager in that, it would be a <laughs> masterpiece. Oh, yeah, no, that would be I'd, – I'd enjoy that too. It would be good. Well, because you have uh, 330 and so 330 and 500 then. We do, and we, we are actually shifting to 375s in the next oh, – probably in the next, over the next three or four months. It's just a bit of a okay. bit of an endeavour to uh, change across. Why, I guess, why 3.30 at the start and then why the change? Um, 3.30, um, just because from from my background where I'd worked, like a lot of breweries were cans at the time that I knew of, that craft breweries internationally and things like Garage Project and Camden Town and a lot of bigger names were 3.30 mil. Um, mm. So I kind of, Beaver Town, like when I was in the UK, it just all kind of anything good was in the 330 um, and there wasn't really much craft in 375s even when we started in cans. Um, and, yeah, we just sort of did that. And, it, yeah, I, th- I suppose it has, a, I suppose, a more premium kind of look in a smaller can. Um, and then it's just sort of been over time we've, I think the, the whole market, again, it's shifting to a larger can. People want more beer in their can and, yeah, get more excited about more beer. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is interesting how packaging's shifted. And know. I suppose it's just that thing too, if you have two really good beers next to each other and one's in a 330 and one's in a 375 and someone's weighing up their options in a bottle shop, they're probably going to pick the 375 sometimes because they're like, oh, well, I'm going to get a few more mils of beer in that. So. <laughs> um, is that going to impact cost of the, the product as well for you guys? So you'll uh, a little, yeah, change it a little bit, yeah, but it won't be, yeah, too much because, again, by print, say we'll be printing cans and um, not uh, not printing labels, which, again, saves you a bit of money, so you can kind of adjust it there a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting. If I When I'm drinking a 330 now, 
I noticed that it's gone so much quicker than a three seven five, and right. it's <laughs> like that's a tiny amount, you know. Yeah, it's not. That's, that's thing. It's not much, but for some reason, a lot of people notice it. Uh, Ren, you've also been, I guess, while this is all happening, uh, you've been growing a family as well. Yeah, yeah, we have, which has been the, a pretty, pretty uh, busy, awesome experience all at the same time. I, I feel like the brewery's expanded while the the family's expanded. Has that been hard? Yeah, yeah. So we've got we've got yeah three three kids now: um, Ned, Betty, and Oscar. Um, and it's yeah four year old, a two year old, and a six month old. So pretty. Pretty hectic times. Having a six months old and trying to expand a, a brewery, I can imagine. And I how's, how's your sleep? Yeah, yeah, not not too bad. We're pretty lucky. She's a pretty good baby, but um, yeah, no, we still wake up all night. The other kids still wake up, so yeah, always. I'm just used to it now. It's been okay. four years of waking up, so you just kind of get in a zone of working and having kids at the same time. Around the kind of the the change of. IPA, or people, you know, being more open to IPA and, and I guess different styles, particularly around your part of the world, where do you think that's people moving from inner city to Geelong and the, the smaller towns, or is, do you think that's just wider adoption of beer and, and good beer? Yeah, I think, yeah, probably a bit of both. I suppose there's been more exposure of it too, like with more venues and more breweries and all that stuff kind of becoming. A regu- more of a regular thing for everyone everywhere really so i suppose it's just yeah general exposure and yeah i think a big part yeah people moving down from melbourne to geelong's probably helped as well definitely is that has that been noticeable because I, I guess anecdotally of i know people that have moved yeah from melbourne. no we've noticed it heaps like you look at i get again like belmont grovedale areas even torquay there's just a lot of people that have moved down and again, like they're they're wanting to sort of, I suppose, start families and move somewhere a bit more regional, but still be close to Melbourne. Um, yeah, it's been a big big thing. Is that since COVID or just in general? Probably it was happening before COVID, but again, it's been a, a huge shift since COVID. Like I know of, oh, I reckon four or five people I knew that I was mates with that lived in Melbourne that had a background down this way of all either started renting down here or bought houses down here in the last eighteen months. Which is pretty funny, like quite quickly. Mm. When I, I feel like ha- I feel like house prices went up pretty quickly as well. <laughs> I, yeah, because we no. were kind of looking, and then we we're like, "Oh, it's just as bad as Melbourne now." Yeah, done. well, they're just yeah houses. Houses are going for sale here, and they're sold within a week, sort of thing. It's quite crazy. Yeah, right. Um, it was lovely. Like as I said, we went and visited some friends in between lockdowns, and it's you know where I'm in Melbourne, it's super close. You know, it's not that much longer than an hour drive to get there. Um, so you, you're right, it is super close. And, yes, it's just so nice, a bit more space. We went to the beach. Uh, it was Yeah, it was real nice, lovely. I think that thing too, if people are shifting their working hours now too from, yeah, less hours at work where they can work at home. Like it makes sense to live down this way too. Mm. Mm. For sure, yeah. I mean, like, I work at a big company and um, – I think about a, a, a month before the first lockdown, we had like a, um, not a company-wide meeting, but like a, um, a, a a general meeting where a question was asked that what is the possibility of working from home? And the answer was absolutely not. Yeah. And then as soon as like they were forced into it, all the technology worked perfectly and it worked totally fine. 
So I think a lot of people would be in the same position where like the um, the viable ability to work from home became just very possible and easy and it sort of changed, it sort of shifted everyone's like thought about their workplace. Yeah, for sure. The And I feel like a lot of people looking at in a city office rent and going, what if we what, just didn't pay that anymore? Why, yeah. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So, what's been happening in Geelong? I feel like Geelong's kind of been locked down for some, but not as much. Or, or that region has been. How have restrictions been for you? Yeah, pretty pretty tough. Um. Yeah, hard going back and forth. But again, like we're quite lucky again that we're out of lockdown now, which is pretty exciting. Um. With mm. with limited venue sort of numbers, so like, um, at the moment we're allowed ten people inside and 20 outside, so um, reasonably reduced numbers from, say, 100 or 150 people in a venue to 30. Mm. Um, and, again, this time of the year the weather's, I don't know, it's raining right now, so you kind of, yeah, you lose that outside space if, you, if it is raining. Um, but, yeah, I suppose it's just been a bit of juggling the whole year really um, from being open or closed and, yeah, keeping, keeping it all going. Uh, how does the beer club go? Is that... When did you start that? And, and- um, yeah, I think we did start it probably start of COVID um, and a lot of people jumped on, which was great. Um, so it's sort of just like a $70 a month thing and you get 16 beers delivered to your door um, and you, yeah, yeah, I think you get a, oh, you get a T-shirt and a stubby holder when you join, which is exciting. Yep. Then, um, yeah, pretty much when we initially launched it during COVID, um, we went all out and we did two new beers per month for the beer club and then two kind of seasonal releases. Um, and then this 12 months, we've dropped it back to one new beer every box, which is still pretty awesome. And then you usually get whatever's come out for the month as well. Um, yeah. And, yeah, just, yeah, it's, it's been really fun for us too because we just kind of get to make pretty wacky beers in a small volume that we wouldn't usually make. So we're usually making about two to 300 litres of it. Mm. Um, and, yeah, just sort of experimenting and making up new styles like the well, yeah, the cold IPA that we jumped on um, and it turned out good. So we, yeah, made it commercially for everyone. Hmm. Have any other beers made it through to commercial? Oh, um, no, I don't think so. No. Cold Most of the year, you've got to just join the beer club to get, get those. Yeah, up. exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of interesting that cold IPA is one that has made it through because – Again, what we talked about, you know, I crushed it super quick. Uh, yeah, mine's gone, yeah. Really tasty and, yeah, interesting. Do you reckon that's going to come back? The act- Oh, the cold IPA we've just yeah. released? Uh, yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. Like it, we've made, yeah, like most of it's sold, um, but we probably might brew it again soon just because it's, I think it would be an awesome summer beer too. Just it drinks, yeah. drinks really well. Do you reckon it'll continue to be a cold IPA in name? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we'll keep calling it cold IPA. That's um, all right. Because it's like it's a it's a great beer, but like if if people fall out of love with that name, then yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I suppose you no can change, change it later on. But yeah, I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see how many breweries make cold IPAs or whether it's just going to fizzle. We'll see. Dave, are you thinking of Brute IPA? Where I definitely have, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, I think like I didn't really like Brute IPAs, the taste of them. So yeah. I feel like this tastes really good. So if, if there's a step in the direction of 
how it'll go from taste. I think it'll go better than brute, but you know, I'm sure it will actually. Yeah. Um, tell me about uh, the smoked porter because. Is it always smoked? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. always been yeah, smoked. Yeah. So, yeah, kind of, yeah. So it's a robust porter um, yeah. with 20% Bamberg Beechwood smoked malt in there from Wyman. Um, and it's, yeah, just a pretty rich chocolatey 6.0% porter with, um yeah, like a nice kind of smoky um, background note to it. Like it's, it's subtle smoke. It's not really in your face. Um, and, again, that shifts a bit too like during the year because, again, the, the freshness of the smoke on the malt um, shifts over the year when you're getting it from Germany too. Um, so yeah. we notice it sort of fluctuate slightly from really high smoke to lower smoke levels. Uh, do you yeah, adjust no, for that or do you? Uh, no, we kind of just roll with how it kind of comes out. Um, but, um, yeah, we kind of enjoy that it shifts around a little bit um, mm. with the smokiness. And it's, um, yeah, it's just an awesome, awesome beer style, I reckon, smoked porter because it's just adding a bit more complexity to something that is a porter that's really delicious but adding another layer to it with that smoke note I think it's pretty cool. So that's sort of why we've always wanted to make it and always goes really well for us over winter and it's, it's been going really well into spring too actually, which is good, especially on yeah. taps in Melbourne. We've gone, been going really well with it. Really? Yeah, or not currently, actually. No, no. <laughs> but, Sorry, I, my surprise wasn't currently. Yeah. No, no, currently would be would be no, not possible. But, yeah, when we were open a, a month or two back, um, yeah, it's good. Because that was... Good to see. I'm, yeah, surprised by the... And that was an early one as well in your range? Yeah, yeah, so that would um would have been oh, in the first 12 months of opening as well. So, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, it's cool to see... You know, a dark beer like that with a little bit of it, you know, something slightly different. Thinking of, say, um, Wolf of the Willows to us, the same style as well. And it's, you know, it's great to find out that you could do something that, you know, you don't think a smoked porter is going to sell, really. Um, or, you know, it's going to be popular with a, a wider audience. So it's kind of cool to hear that it's, well, it's kind of cool that it, see, it's, it's lasted and yeah, it's also selling I think- well on tap. I think that thing too of just I suppose anyone that's going to drink a porter is probably going to try a smoke porter because it's it's a fairly big step in a beery direction drinking a porter. Um, so kind of adding that smoke to it, I think it's not making it too difficult for those people that are already going to be drinking a porter anyway. Um, mm. And yeah, there's plenty of venues around that want a dark on tap. And yeah, it's been yeah quite successful, which is good. Yeah, anecdotally, I feel like there is more of an audience for dark beer now than there was. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I suppose there's even a component of people that just drink dark beer too, which is interesting. Mm. Do you do any other dark beers? Uh, Just seasonal stuff. So, yeah, just every – I think we did like a – we've done a bunch of kind of pastry stouts over um, winter last year. We did like a mud mud cake stout and a raspberry chocolate stout and a – tiramisu stout i think we did um and then this year what do we we did a we did this year oh we just did a milk stout this year in a big can that was about six percent i think yeah i forgot about those those the mud cake ones one of them i think i had one of them it was really fun i can't remember which one it was though good story (laughs) (laughs) i reckon it was probably start of the first lockdown I have a memory of it, but yeah, and that's a, that was a really good for that time too because everyone wanted big, boozy, strong beers during that time, so they yeah. went quite well. Um, are you going to bring pastry stouts back, or that was? Uh... 
Um, yeah, we probably maybe over winter. I think every winter if we're going to brew stouts, we'll dabble in pastry ones. They're, it's an interesting style. It's quite cool. Um, adding that, I suppose that food element to the beer because it really it resonates with a lot of people that probably wouldn't try beer as well. Like if you mm. suddenly say it's a mud cake beer, people are like, "Wow, that sounds amazing." Um, did Did you go the literal literal pastry route? Yeah, so we in the mud cake, we put actual mud cakes in the mash. Um, and uh, then just used all ingredients uh, that would usually go in it too. So. How did mud cake go on the mash? Yeah, no, pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> just, <laughs> just throw it in there. Okay, yeah. didn't, didn't just, clog it up, didn't? No, nah, we didn't throw too many. I think we put it, I don't know, like 10 mud cakes in or something into like, I don't know, 400 kilos of grain, so it wasn't going to clog up the mash too much. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, again, just you use like cacao and different kind of lactose and a few other ingredients that um, to kind of make it cakey. Did you – is this a Coles or a Woolies mud cake? It was, yeah. Yep. Excellent. Yeah. Is that you, a like um, package champion or does that go just as well? What's that? Tavern? Like is that great in package where, um, like where people can like buy – various pastry stouts or different flavoured beers or does that one also go all right at a, at a tap room? Yeah, no, yeah, probably yeah, a bit of a bit of both. I think when we had those out last year, they weren't really on tap because the venues were shut. Right. Um, it was all in can. Um, what oh, what we did do with those, which was fun, was when we, the days we released them, so, so like we did the same day IPAs, we did, we did like kind of like a stout the day it came out, we delivered it with, different cupcakes so like i think there was a mud cake cupcake on that release um the tiramisu one we did a tiramisu cupcake because you kind of eat the cupcake and drink the beer together and again that was an awesome way of bringing the food and the beer together and probably getting a bunch of people that typically wouldn't have bought a 500 mil seven percent stout to actually get involved which was cool Hmm. um so as summertime is kind of creeping up and we're hopefully going to be outside for it. What's do you have any you know beers planned for it, or are you going to keep cementing what's happening at Blackman's? Um, yeah, so I suppose we've got that uh, papaya and um, grapefruit kettle sour that'll be coming out. I think we're going to do a what was it? Oh, we might do a lemon sorbet sour again, which we did last summer. That was pretty good. Tell us about that one. What's um, so we just did so that was lactose and just heaps of lemons in it. Um, and then when we served it at beer festivals and things, and we said on the can, if you're at home, to serve it with a big scoop of sorbet on top, lemon sorbet. And, it, yeah, it was pretty awesome experience having like a sorbet beer spider style thing. Um, that was a fun one. Um, what else have we got coming out? We're doing a, um, a collab with uh, uh, with Mr. West. Um and it'll be Mr. West Coast Cold IPA, another one there for you, another cold one. Very good. <laughs> yeah. um, so all their, their staff are getting some hops mailed to them tomorrow to all uh, smell different hop varieties and they're going to pick what hops they want to make uh, the beer with in the next few days. So that'll come out in sort of three to four weeks. Oh, fun. Um, yes, yeah, so there's a few new ones coming out. What are the candidates for the, the hops? Um, so um, I'll just have a quick look what I said we were going to So I think it was... Um, uh, Simcoe, Galaxy, Citra, Falconer's Flight, Centennial are the choices, and then we'll yeah. see what they come back with. What do you What do you want to have? 
Oh, it'd be cool if it was Centennial and Simcoe because that is pretty good West Coast kind of hops. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But we'll see. I'm sure Galaxy will get thrown in there. It's pretty trendy. But we'll see. I mean, Falconer's Flight's an interesting one. Yeah, yeah. So that's just a bit of a blend of all those kind of West Coasty hops. I made a um, when I was homebrewing. This must have been eight years ago. I made a, an IPA, and this was obviously pre, you know, New England or hazies. Um, but in the homebrew world, there's a lot of hop bursting going on, where you know you're just putting all the hops in the last ten minutes of the boil. And I did it all with Falconer's Flight. Uh, and I think I might have packed, like bottled it right out of the, the fermenter as well, so it was super hazy and really quite juicy, and it was delicious. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, no, so I've always really, kind of got a soft spot for that. It's a really good hop. Yeah, it's awesome. We use a bit of it in a few of our beers. Yeah, I always kind of forget. Like it kind of pops up every now and then, and I think because it is a blend, isn't it? It's yeah, like it's all the kind of the sea hops. I think they say. Yeah, yeah, it's a fun one. So that's my vote. I'll, I'll get on to the phone to the people at Mr. Weston. Okay, just Falconer's flight. Do it. Yeah, Jack, come on. What are you doing? <laughs> um, this is the second time, and they've come up a lot on the, the podcast lately, yeah. Dave. I feel like we need to probably get them for a chat. Oh, that's a good idea. Mr. West? Yeah. Why the hell not? Yeah. 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 And how about the, the venues and stuff? Are you sort of Do you feel like a little bit of you know light at the end of the tunnel at the moment? Yeah, hopefully. It's kind of, I don't know, we'll, we'll, we'll just see. Like there's, there's been some cases pop up regionally, but I think, yeah, with the way it seems to be going, hopefully by, I don't know, we'll, we'll get some a bit more regular opening going into summer. I think last summer we were pretty open most of summer, which was amazing. So if we can get that again, it would be great. Because, hmm. um, yeah, again, when, when people are out and about, they're pretty keen to go out and we're really busy when we are open. So it's um yeah, it's exciting if we can get back open and get people out drinking beers again. It'll be awesome. How did you go for staffing over that time? Because I know a lot of regional venues really struggled. Yeah, no, it's been been pretty reasonably hard. Um, there's not, yeah, I suppose there's not the as many people around as usual. But again, we've got some pretty solid kind of year-round people we've already had, which we're quite lucky to have. Um, mm. But again, yeah, to get casual staff has been, um, yeah, reasonably hard because I think yeah, everyone's in the same boat trying to, get get people in there. I suppose there's not as many um, international people in, down. I suppose, yeah, a lot of backpackers and things work down like the Great Ocean Road and things like that um, over summers and things like that. So I suppose it's a bit of a, bit of a different thing, yeah. But mm, no issues for you guys. It must have been you're a good employer. <laughs> if people yeah, still suppose, got people sticking yeah. around. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, again, you've always got the issues of people leaving and coming, but we've been reasonably lucky, so... That's great. How many – do you have any idea of – or I'm sure you do. How many staff you have over the, the three venues in the, the brewery? Uh, at peak, we're probably at about 50, I reckon. Um, and then, yeah, it sort of fluctuates probably in over winter down to about sort of 30. Yeah. It's that – I don't know, it's a lot to manage. And yeah, how much... no, it's, it's a yeah, massive job. We're, we're again, again, really lucky that we've got some awesome people that work with us too that, um, yeah, do a really good job. And how does your, I guess, your role changed in the brewery over the years then with, you know, three venues, um, staff, what is it, you know, are you, are you still heavily involved in the brewing? Are you having to just... Yeah, yeah. So kind of, I suppose my main role is overseeing the beer side of the business. Um, so I work with the brewing team and everyone in that department and then everyone in the sales team who sells the beer. Um, 
and then a bit of venue stuff and then Jess is a huge part of running a lot of other stuff and then Warwick I don't know if you know Warwick Coleman yeah. he runs a lot of he runs the venues um which is awesome he's kind of the operations manager um and then sort of Jess above him with some pretty major decisions and stuff like that um and she does a lot of the marketing too but yeah Jess is a huge part of it so looking forward to the next couple of years then you mentioned you know wanting to have a regional kind of farmhouse or farm brewery in some form um what are the other blackman's plans any any major you know dreams to move into the city to to open a tap room there or anything um yeah like we've always contemplated melbourne again right now it's a hard one with um <laughs> with what's happening in the world so it's pretty off the cards for now but again yeah it, we've we've definitely got um plans for more like we'd love to do more brew pubs um it's just been yeah quite a successful part of what we've done so mm. i think yeah re- other regions and melbourne would be awesome like that would be our dream if we could continue with that but we'll just have to see do you live in geelong or are you torquay uh in torquay currently yeah, yeah. how far is torquay from geelong for people that don't oh 20 minutes 25 minutes yeah okay and how much time are you spending between the two um i oh, probably half half yeah yeah and again at the moment a bit of working at home as well so yeah, yeah. You can't do too much brewing at home, though. No, no, that's true. <laughs> lots of lots of laptop action. Uh, Dave, more questions from you? No, I just wanted to know where the people can sign up to the beer club. Uh, just, uh, yeah, via our, our website or our Instagram. Um, there's Yeah, and again, for stockers too, like if anyone wants to get beer in Melbourne, um, we've got our full stockers list on there. Um, and you can, yeah, find out where our beer is from our Instagram link tree. Instagram link tree. I love an Instagram link tree. Yeah, it's got all the, all the good things are on there. Uh, Ren, thank you so much for your time. And the beers, yeah, tasting really good, the ones that uh, I've had so far from the, the box. Oh, thanks so much. Um, yeah, unreal. Yeah. Uh, we've been sort of like planning tentatively a Geelong trip for probably three years now to come <laughs> oh, and do yeah, some so, shows. Well, yeah, as soon there, as so. you get out, come down and see us. It'd be awesome. For sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, Dave, where do people find you on the internet? Send us an email, davidaleofatime.com. Uh, how about you, Luke? Uh, you can get me at aleofatime, aleofatime.com. Uh, and the Hypothetical Institute for all of your podcast or your conspiracy podcast needs, I should say. Uh, and if you want a bit of a recap on 9-11, we've got a, a show from the archives that's currently top of our feed, so go check that one out. Beautiful. Uh, we talk a lot about Back to the Future in that one. Uh, so find out how Back to the Future and 9-11 relate. <laughs> Uh, thanks again, Ren, for your time, and uh, yeah, really appreciate it. And, uh, oh, thank you, hopefully guys. Hopefully, look forward awesome. to to getting down to Geelong and Torquay soon. Yeah, awesome. Thank you very much. <laughs>